Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Cup of Common Grounds podcast, the podcast where a former homeschooler turned New York City businesswoman tries to build mutual respect and common grounds in every conversation. I'm your host, Kitty Whipple, joined by Virginia Henry, the host of Stories with a Voice podcast. She is here to talk to us today about her experiences with modesty culture and the effect that it has had on her life. I think modesty is like such an interesting concept that I mean, personally for me, like growing up, like I've always, I was always told like, you need to to dress modestly. Like you don't want like ill-wanted attention. And so that's always like how modesty was like defined for me as when I was younger. And so I think it's really interesting as like, we've gone through like the sexual awakening and everything to have that concept challenged. And I think it's really cool, but it's confusing also. I was just wondering what kind of her, your, what were your previous thoughts on modesty? And then how has that kind of like evolved throughout the years? Yeah, so I grew up very religious, a uh, very strict uh, Christian denomination. So modesty was incredibly important to me and to my family and my community, my religious community. So I viewed modesty as a reflection of your view of yourself, a reflection of your commitment to God. I viewed it as uh, kind of like what who you are on the inside, being on the outside and sending that how you dress sends a message about you. So that's how I viewed it. I viewed um, that if you were a good girl or a good woman that you would want to cover up so that you could prevent uh, the males around you from having temptations or sexual thoughts. So I, I viewed it kind of as a responsibility for myself, but also for others. And because of that, it was very easy to cast judgment on people who dressed in a way that I thought was too revealing. From your perspective, kind of when did this, because you talked about how, you know, modesty was like so ingrained in your life and you really thought about it from kind of the traditional perspective for such a long time. Like when did that like shift occur? Did you have like a specific experience? Like kind of describe to me what was happening in your mind. Well... I'm, I am a very open person. I'm just going to say that up front. So some people might be a little, a little shocked or be like, oh my gosh, like, why are you talking about this? This is so personal. But I just think it's, I, it's it's just who I am. You know, I'm, I'm not ashamed of it. And I think that vulnerability and authenticity is the key to connection and that being vulnerable is the most courageous thing that you can do. And that's how we truly connect with each other and build strong bonds and understanding. And so it's kind of my MO. Um, But so (laughs) when this all kind of came crashing down on me is actually uh, when I got married. So I chose to not be sexually active until I got married. Uh, So, I mean, did we make out? Yes. But nothing more than that. And some people are like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. Like, how could you marry someone without like making sure you're sexually compatible first? But that was part of my religious convictions to save myself for marriage. So, and my husband did as well. So we were both, um, we're both brand spanking new. Okay. In this territory. Um, and, (laughs) and, um, to be quite honest, um, my wedding night was an incredibly traumatic experience for me because not because like my husband is, I mean, he's the best man that I know. Okay. He's, he's 100% the most selfless, sweetest guy you could ever meet. And I mean, I personally think very attractive, Um, but the point is I'm not talking about (laughs) him and what I'm not talking about him and what he did because he was, I mean, just, he was wonderful. Right. But 
what was happening in my mind was so powerful that I developed a lot of sexual trauma because from the wedding night on, I had this belief that I was responsible. I, I had to be the gatekeeper of his sexuality and that he had, he probably didn't have a lot of control over it because in society, I, I had unbeknownst to me kind of absorbed this idea that men can't control themselves. And so if a woman is, you know, sexually appealing, they just, they can't help it. You know, they, it's, it's, they're just, they can't maintain civility because she's just too tempting. And so because I had this fear of my husband not being able to control himself, even though he always did, and he was always very respectful and and everything that you would want in a sexual partner. But I was just so afraid that that fear inhibited my ability to actually have a good experience. And then I also, because of being taught that I had to be the caretaker of his um, sexuality and his uh, sex life, um, I felt that it was my duty as a wife to never say no and that I had to kind of take care of that for him. And so, and a lot of people are like, well, we're getting into purity culture here. And, but I think they're so intertwined um, that you can't really effectively separate them. Yeah. They, they just overlap so much. And so for me, I began to realize that I had good girl syndrome, which is I thought that if you were a moral woman, a Christian woman, you could not be sexual. You could not put on, you know, that sexy lingerie outfit and, you know, have a great, you know, sexual experience with your spouse who you're literally married to. Um, I had that blockage in my mind because I had been programmed so much that you have to be modest. This is a no. This is a no, no, no. And if you, you know, express yourself sexually in any way, that's wrong. And that um, just, it took me a long time to be able to work through those thoughts and feelings and get to a point where I was able to differentiate from my husband and realize that I am not responsible for his thoughts or if he chose to stray, um, that's not my responsibility. That's him. He's He is totally responsible for he himself, his thoughts, his actions, everything. And that being sexual is not a bad thing, that it is a good thing. And that men are not the sexual creatures. They're not the nucleus of sexuality. Women are inherently sexual. And I feel like we're afraid of that. And so modesty is, modesty, like the effort, like the ground, the foundation of modesty is to prevent the sexual objectification of women or the sexual expression of women and therefore prevent sexual indiscretions, right? Um, I feel like we're so afraid of women being sexual and, and women having sexuality, but I had to learn that I, in and of myself, that that wasn't a bad thing, that that was a good thing. And if I could, if I didn't learn that, then I was, our marriage was really going to have a hard time and we weren't going to be able to have that beautiful relationship and intimate connection that we both dreamed about and wanted that everyone wants in a, in a partnership. Right. Um, but we weren't going to be able to have that if I couldn't accept that about myself and learn to love my body. And so when I started working through all of those things and we went to counseling 
And I kind of started to unpack and unravel all of these teachings. One of the first things um, that I started to confront was modesty, just because for me, it was just so shame inducing because I realized that because of the belief of if you dress this way, then you are sending a, you know, a sexual invitation or a sexual message. And that is wrong. I couldn't just flip that switch when I got married to be like, well, now I can dress to send a sexual message. Okay. But it's still a bad thing in my mind. And so like you, I couldn't just flip that switch when I got married. And that caused a lot of challenges and, and, and suffering for us. And, but now just, you know, in case anyone's wondering, we're in a great place. I, I am in a, a such better place now, but I'm also okay with wearing a bikini. I'm also okay with wearing tank tops. Okay. I'm totally fine with wearing short shorts. Okay. And I mean, some people are like, oh my gosh, what? Like a tank top? Like short shorts? Like what? But mine was to the knees, cover your shoulders. You like absolutely nothing that could potentially be attractive showing. <laughs> and so I just um, started to move away from the traditional view of modesty. And that allowed me to embrace my body and to not feel shame about my body and my sexuality and to also let go of the judgments that I held towards myself if I dressed a certain way and towards other people. So I became, and you know, oddly, I became a much more Christian person by letting go of those modesty standards because then I stopped judging people. I stopped looking at a girl and being like, well, well, she is not a, you know, she's just not as dedicated to God as me. You know, she, she, you know, she's trying to, you know, get the boy's attention, like shame on her. Therefore I'm, I'm better, you know, and that gave me a false sense of self-esteem and self-confidence that yes, self-righteousness. And that is not, that is not love, right? That, that is, that is toxic, that it's, it's parasitic and, Mm -hmm. You cannot be truly empathetic if you have that attitude simply towards somebody because of the choice of their clothing. Like, how could you truly expect to have unconditional love and charity for other people if you have that inside of you and you look at others as less than based on their outward appearance? And so I just, I mean, to be quite honest, I just, I, I don't believe in modesty anymore, actually at all. I I 100% agree with you about the the feeling of judgment or even being judged. I remember like I remember in our homeschool community that I was actually actively judged because I did wear the bikinis and I did wear the tank tops. Um and that was really interesting for me because like I mean, yes, my parents talked about modesty culture, but I feel like it was really like learned from me in our homeschool community. Cause I remember also being the person who like, because I did pageants too, like I just dressed nicely, like, because I had learned like, oh, from my perspective, when you were talking about earlier about your dress sends a message for me, I wanted to show like I'm put together. And for me being put together meant doing your makeup, doing your hair, dressing in this cohesive fashion. And so for me, I was like, I'm putting my best foot forward and other people interpreted it as like, oh, she's trying to get guys attention. Oh, she's trying to like be better or be something else. And I was like, that's just crazy. Um, but to kind of like, cause like a lot of stuff that you were talking about, like, I just like, I, I really kind of, I really resonate um, with women needing to be 
allowed to be sexual creatures. Like I think men do not corner the market on being sexual at all. Like I actually love this. Um, there's this TV show on Netflix called um, Frankie and Grace, and they are like 80 year old women who sell vibrators. And I'm just like, you go girl, like owning kind of the sexual experience, even as like an older adult. Cause like that's, going against multiple stereotypes of like one women not being sexual creatures and two that older people aren't sexual creatures too. Um, and so I, I absolutely love that show. Everyone should check it out. Um, this is not paid for by Netflix, by the way, <laughs> though, if Netflix wants to endorse me, happy to have that conversation, but getting back to, there is a good root of modesty though, that I do like, and that is, modesty focuses or attempts to take away the image of people and put forth the personality and the image of God. And that's the one thing where I can't, I don't want to completely throw out modesty culture because there are some roots that I really do think that are, are good. Because when I want, when I want people to see me personally, I don't want them to see the, the, my sexual being necessarily. I want them to see me and my personality. Everyone can be themselves. I want everyone to let their freak flag fly because being unique and being you is not what you look like on the outside. It's who you are on the inside. And that's what's valuable at the end of the day. So there, so the, so because of that, like, I don't necessarily think modesty culture should be thrown out, but the, some of the intent behind it, my God, it is so damaging. It is so freaking damaging. Um, to unlearn. I just want to, yeah, I just want to say I, so when I say I, I don't believe in modesty, I'm talking specifically about when it comes down to how people dress, right? Because modesty, I believe the way that it is taught or the way that it possibly God wanted it to be taught, um, is way more inclusive of say you have a lot of wealth being modest would be not flaunting that right or say you have I don't know it's just not being super um I don't want to say showy but basically trying to um I mean, I can only think of the word modest right now, but trying to be more humble. There we go. Humble. That is the word. Um, To be humble Mm -hmm. uh, instead of being obsessed with yourself or what you have. Now, being obsessed with yourself is different than having self-confidence, okay? I... (laughs) I have been working on trying to build healthy self-confidence, okay? I hope everyone has that. But um, modesty, I think, was supposed to be more about people being humble and people trying to uh, be more Zion-like, right? Instead of this differentiation of classes or ranks, you know? I I think that's probably what it was more about. but it evolved into this very narrow definition about how women dress. I mean, we don't even talk about modesty for men, okay? Mm-hmm. Like whenever, whenever have you <laughs> been at church and had, you know, a man be told to buy a larger shirt size because his muscles are freaking bulging out of his shirt and it's distracting the ladies. Okay. Never. That never happens. Or that his pants are a little too tight and his assets are showing, you know, like that never happens. But women all the time are told, don't wear a, you know, your shirt is, your shirt is too tight. I remember, oh my goodness, this gets me so fired up. <laughs> I was go for it. I was like, Oh, how old was I? I had to have been 13. Okay. Young. Okay. I'm going through puberty, which is traumatic in and of itself. Let's be honest, right? Your body's doing freaking things. And you're like, what is happening? And you're gangly and your feet are too big and all this stuff. Okay. But anyway, I, um, and sometimes your body grows and you don't buy clothes fast enough. Okay. 
Um, but I specifically remember, so I was at church and I was wearing a skirt and a shirt and my bra, um, probably could have been bigger. Okay. I think I had, I had, I was evolving, turning into a woman and, um, it kind of had a more push-up effect, you know, or, uh, then, a t-shirt, a t-shirt bra is like, it covers oh, all yeah. of you. It has no, there's nothing, you know, bulging out or overflowing. That's a t-shirt bra, right? Totally covered up. Well, mine probably more resembled mm-hmm. at this point, like a push-up bra because I was, I was developing as an adolescent. Okay. And my yep, church, yep. my, <laughs> my church leader, um, went to my dad and so because we usually sit on the front row my family always went to the very front of the church building sat on the front pew and so you know we're in full view of uh our church leaders uh pastors and so but my uh the church leader or uh we called or you know our i guess you could say like lead pastor um he went to my dad and told him that mm-hmm. um my I was distracting I'm 13 okay and he told my dad that I needed to change my undergarments and or wear a different shirt because and this is okay this shirt was like to my collarbone okay but I guess uh you could still see that I had a bosom okay like but this is a grown ass man going to my father and telling him that his adolescent daughter, that her boobs were showcased too much and that she needed to get a different bra and wear a different shirt. And I remember when my dad came to me and the shame that I felt, I felt so ashamed and embarrassed. Okay, I'm a little kid. And I've just been learning that a grown man was looking at my chest and therefore, and based on his reaction, having certain feelings or thoughts probably. And so I need to change me. I have to change to, to make him more comfortable. And I, it's okay. It's not like I was wearing a bikini top to church. Okay. Or it's not like I was wearing a plunging neckline. All right. Down to my navel. That is not, (laughs) I'm serious. Like it was a full, like nothing was showing. Right. But it was the, I, I, so I just, when that kind of stuff happens, I'm like, this is a looking back realizing this is a problem this should not be happening a grown man should not be asking a little girl going through puberty to that she needs to change and adjust for him right like when is like I don't know I mean maybe other people get it and they're like yeah I totally get it but for me I'm like no that is not that's not cool. And because of the feelings that I felt and the insinuation of what he was thinking or feeling, highly inappropriate, highly inappropriate. But then the more astonishing fact is that my dad- So inappropriate. My dad was embarrassed as a father. You know, he comes to me and he's like, you need to change, right? Instead of being like, uh, why are you looking at my kid? Why are you looking at my daughter like that? watch yourself you know like that was not his reaction because of the modesty culture of the modesty indoctrination he was more concerned about protecting my pastor than he was about me and I'm not saying this to hate on my dad because I love my dad he's just a product of what he was what he was taught he's just a a product of his community and 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 he didn't know any better right um he's trying to be a good man be a good christian and and therefore the leader that comes to him he's trying to follow that counsel right 
but it's just it's it, it was wrong and inappropriate yeah. and that wasn't the only instance that something like that happened another time i was told that i needed to get a larger sweater or and wear a longer skirt and i'm not wearing a skirt that just barely covers my butt cheeks okay this is a skirt that comes down to my mid thighs all right mm-hmm. or lower but it's probably like three inches above my knees. All right. I mean, but being, having grown Mm -hmm. men ask you to change when you're a young teenager is wrong. But even if I was a grown up woman, it would still be wrong. Like it's, it's super wrong when you're a kid. Cause like, okay, that's like, that's kind of scary. I'm, I'm concerned about the thoughts you were having about a child. But if I'm a woman, I'm also like, how about you do some self-work, some self-development and work on like some self-control or, uh, you know, mindfulness, self-awareness. Like, why do you, why do, why are you coming to me? Like, <laughs> this is a you problem. This is not a me problem. So yeah, there was just that little, that little thing. <laughs> I just, I, I, I just, right now, I just feel so enraged <laughs> and quite like I, and it's not because I've had the same exact experience, but I've had very similar experiences. I, I keep in my mind, I keep picturing, I was told by a trusted colleague that I needed to stop wearing red to work. Um, Not at my current employment, but when I was interning, because it was too distracting. Because I was in a finance culture and everyone wore black. And so I couldn't wear red because it was too distracting. And I'm just like, really? We're going to talk about the color of what I'm wearing right now. And then there was other comments too about, there was one about my, my dress length too, which I was absolutely mortified in um because if i think about it too like in professional environments especially for for women who are going and entering a male-dominated place because i i've worked in finance i've worked in consulting and so and typically in a lot of these environments i am the female um i up until three months ago i was the sole female on a lot of my calls for for over a year um including with my clients And I was always super conscientious then of like, what am I wearing? What am I presenting myself? Because like I represent in an odd way, I represent women in the workplace right now since I am the sole person. Um, And that's really hard because like, yes, we agree that modesty culture is toxic, but what do you do about it right now? Because it is so ingrained in this like older generation. And even in our current generation, like, Yes, people are more open to the idea of like this kind of sexual awakening or eschewing of like modesty culture, but we've already learned it. Like we've already kind of like delved into the toxic pool that is it. And so it's even hard for me, who's like a firm believer in like, like let's eschew these standards. But at the same time, if I, if a girlfriend was talking to me about like, what should I wear to work? I would say, don't wear too bright of colors, be thoughtful about covering up certain things. Um, I even had a girlfriend who I met for dinner last night who was talking to me about like this small tattoo that she has on her her finger. And she's like, yeah, I'm going back to the office and like, I don't have a ring. I don't want to wear a ring anymore to cover it up. Do you think I should remove the tattoo? And like, part of me is just like, you know, it doesn't matter. But at the same time, like that could be a calling card for someone that could that could send a message. So I guess like I have a question for you, like what are, what have you been doing in your own life to like help promote this kind of dismantling of modesty culture? What advice would you give to, to people who want to dismantle kind of this modesty culture in their own mind? Oh, well, first of all, I was focusing on myself and, and looking inward and thinking about, okay, yeah. catching myself. I, I was trying to be more self-aware. So when I saw a woman, someone dressed in a different way, I tried to 
catch myself and and look at what I was thinking in that moment. What am what am I thinking about her right now? Is that accurate? I don't even know her. I don't even know what kind of day she's had. I don't even know. I don't I don't right? Like this is the definition of judging a book by its cover. And people are so desperate to preserve it. I just, it, it's confusing to me why we would be desperate to preserve something that is so focused on judging outward appearances. And so I started thinking about myself and my thoughts. And then I started to branch out in my own wardrobe So I started to branch out in my own wardrobe and that was kind of a, I don't know. It's like, if you never do something, you make it up to be this big thing in your mind, like this scary big thing. And then it's, you do it and you're like, oh, it's like when you jump in a pool for the first time, you're like, oh my gosh, you know, you're this little kid. You're like, I'm so scared to jump off the diving board into the pool. You know, you're terrified. (laughs) And then you do it and you're like, that was nothing. That was so fun. Like it was fine. I don't know why I was freaking out. And I think it was the the same thing for me. So when I started wearing clothes that probably definitely by, you know, Southern California standards are like mild, okay? These are like, they're like, oh, girl, (laughs) you conservative AF, right? Like, but... Um, for me and my family's culture, I mean, I can't tell you the comments that I got from family members on my shorts, right? I mean, or I was wearing a tank top. I had, me and my husband had both exercised and we were in tank tops and family members came over and they were like, what are you wearing? Like, why are you wearing that I mean it's in it's very intense okay and probably more so than a lot of other Christian denominations um but that's like the kind of intensity level all right that I'm (laughs) dealing with um and so being able to kind of face those experiences head on and then have the inner dialogue of they are them I am me they can be disappointed they can have whatever thoughts that they want. In fact, they can have sexual thoughts. They can think whatever they want about me. That is them. That is nothing. I am not responsible for any of that at all. It's not my job to worry about that. In fact, it's incredibly unhealthy from a medic from a therapist's perspective, because I am obsessed with following therapists on social media. And um from a therapist perspective, they're like, this is this is not healthy. You cannot take on the responsibility of other people. So working on that is all about the self-work. And then I started talking about it a lot, especially with my husband, right? Because, you know, a lot of, especially men in perhaps, you know, the Christian world or a, a strict religious world are going to be like, I don't want my wife dressing like that like are you kidding me like I don't want other men looking at her you know I mean they might take on more of like a what they feel is like protectiveness but is also borderline being controlling you know actually it is it just is it is being controlling um and you're trying to police your wife's expression of sexuality right and I had I started having conversations with my husband and not only did I marry the most kind man and selfless man I've ever met, but I married a very moral man who is also the most open-minded. And so he was like, I don't care what you wear, you know? Um, I, you know, I support (laughs) you and I think you look freaking good. So, you know... I'm okay with it. And he wasn't, he wasn't worried about the message that I was sending to other people. And, but I, but I talked to him about it. Not everyone's going to have that same experience with your, your partner or your family members. 
but I talked to him about it and I tried to explain things and he became my advocate, right? And then I started talking to other family members about it and that, you know, other people, it became, sometimes you're, you're met with a lot of resistance, you know, and people are like, that is not true. I mean, my dad and I have had lots of conversations and he is still, you know, it, it's taken him a while, but he's getting there. He's, he's, he's definitely in the beginning was so dug his heels in the fact that, well, I know what boys think. So you do not want to dress like that because I know what they're thinking. And so you shouldn't dress like that. And I just kept saying, but that's teaching me to be responsible for them. That is not, that's not okay. That's not how it works. I'm not going to be punished by God for their actions or their thoughts. I mean, maybe some people think that, you know, but I personally don't. I think every person is going to be, you know, whatever power or deity you believe in. Um, I think this is applicable across the board. I think you're going to, you know, whether it's karma, I think you're going to answer for your yourself, yourself alone. Um, and the actions that you take, uh, and even so anyway, just having conversations with family. And then I came to realize that as I had conversations with other women, how many of them were feeling the exact same way and how many of them had had similar experiences and how many of them were frustrated because they wanted to wear a bikini so that their belly could get tanned so that they could feel good about it because they didn't like their stomach and they wanted to get tanned so that their stretch marks were less visible or I mean name your thing but I don't feel like at the same time you don't owe anyone an explanation but the more that I talked to these to other people the more that I realized it was a more widespread shared ideology. And so if you want to, you know, try to create a healthier environment for girls to grow up in, and you want to teach boys to be responsible, I think you have to start with yourself. And then I think you need to branch out and start talking to the people in your sphere, because those are the people you have most influence with. I also post a lot on social media, and I share things from therapists that I respect. And I share those things on social media for the people that follow me. There's not a lot of people, but, you know, I'm passionate about it. And so I share it. Mm -hmm. um, and the biggest impact for me is going to be when I raise my own kids and what I teach them. Because I, I you know, I honestly don't think I'm going to have a lot of sway with, like, church leaders. Maybe female ones. But I don't know if, you know, a lot of the male ones are going to listen to me if I were to share something. So the biggest impact I can have is on myself, my family, and, and my children. And so I'm just very determined to raise my daughter with a different mindset. And to if I have sons, I have a daughter, right? You know, I have a little two-year-old right now. But um, if I have sons, I want to raise them to not look at girls for what they're wearing. I mean... On this one discussion on a uh, therapist group page, um, <laughs> someone was asking, how do I talk to my nine-year-old daughter about modesty? Like, I'm, I'm so conflicted about this uh, because I don't want her to be shamed for her body and her sexuality, but I also am like, you know, I don't want her to dress like a skank, right? But even saying that, it's like, well, why would a woman who dresses like that be a skank? Okay. And even if a woman is sexual, yeah. And even if a woman does have a lot of sexual partners, is why is that a bad thing? You know, I mean, and then you get into the realm of sex workers, right? I mean, for me, I'm like, if it's consensual between two adults, I mean, it's none of my business, right? Like, it's not, <laughs> it's not me. So why am I trying to control other people's lives, right? Um, yeah. And so, <laughs> uh, I just, I, I think that maybe, you know, maybe there's bigger steps we can take and I need to have a bigger vision for it. But doing things like this, you know, having a podcast, talking about it, I think is probably one of the most powerful things because then you get the word out and people, you people can think about it. And, um, oh, I remember what I was going to say. One of the, a person commented on this woman's question 
And he said, I might get flamed up for this, but I took my, my sons to nude beaches all growing up. I took my son, he's like, I took my sons to nude beaches and it was whatever, right? Because they grew up doing that. They could have a conversation with a naked girl and their eyes are here, you know, they're looking in her eyes. They're talking to her and seeing her as a person and talking to her as a person, even though she's not wearing clothing, but it's just a, it's a body, you know, and a lot of people aren't comfortable with that or that that's not, but this is like an kind of like on the extreme side, but he said, all of these boys are very active Christians. They've gotten married and have beautiful marriages and they have children, you know, like they didn't what some Christians would term go crazy, you know, or go off the deep end or whatever. Like, <laughs> no, these, that's not what these, his sons did, yeah. but he was like, I personally, like, I felt like throwing them in the deep end helped them to be, help them to view people as people instead of as objects. And modesty a lot of times does exactly what it's trying to prevent. It sexualizes women's bodies because people are, you know, so focused on it. And then you're so focused on that woman's sexuality. And, and then you're objectifying her because you're trying to prevent her from being a sexual object. But then you're treating her like a sexual object that needs to be like hidden. And so he was like, because I did this, my boys didn't, didn't have that issue. And then you look at people who are in Europe, okay, who it's normal. Like, it's like, it's normal to them. It's not this like inherent response when like, it, I, th it's, I think it's a societal construct. And so when people are like, well, this is how it is and this is how it always is, that's not true. It's based on society, the society that you grew up in and the social norms. And so that doesn't make it a truth across the board, right? That doesn't make it like this eternal truth because it's different based on this community you grew up in. And so you just need being able to disassociate from that and dismantle that and help raise you know, if you choose to have children, raise your children to think differently and to try to, and to be, if, if you can, I understand if you're not, because sometimes I have serious anxiety. Okay. But to be brave enough to share your thoughts and to be brave enough to like <laughs> argue with people and be brave enough yeah. to stand up for things and brave enough to let go of what other people think of you. Even if you wear a bikini or even if you wear a crop top or even if you go braless, oh, heaven forbid, you know, I mean, <laughs> seriously, I mean, all the things, oh right? Like, it's like my stomach is not any different from a man's. Like, my stomach yeah. is a stomach. Like, but why? Like, you're freaking out about it. Um, okay. Like, this stomach created mm -hmm. a human and I am proud of it. So... I don't care if you don't want to see it. I'm going to show it off. <laughs> you don't you Just, you don't have to look at it, yeah. you know. Exactly. Anyway, that was a yeah. very long answer. No, I <laughs> No, but I think that that's like so key. I think looking internally so then you can advocate externally, right? It's like it you know the 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 Bible verse um before it, I'm paraphrasing, but like before you inspect the like speck in someone else's eye, look at the log at your own and your own or something like that. And it's like, basically like check yourself before you check other people. Um, and I think that that's honestly, it's so easier to focus on other people's problems and their issues than our own work. Cause that's the hard work is changing us. Um, and so it's really awesome that you did the work. Like that is, I'm, I don't know how much this would be to you, but I'm just so proud of you for doing that work. That is like, honestly, so tough. That is just so tough because I'm trying to do the work and I realize how tough it is. And so I, I just want to, I really want to encourage you. Like that is, that is beautiful what you have done. So thank you so much for, for doing that. And then for advocating, like. I think that's the best like next step and the best it's healing. It's very healing the process that you're doing. So just 
just thank you. I really appreciate it. Well, thank and, you. And um, also, I have been listening to some of the podcasts that you post. <laughs> yeah. And I have, I have been listening to some of the podcasts that you posted on your page. And that's actually why I started really thinking about modesty culture. Because I, as someone who had an eating disorder, I really looked at it through the lens of just self-love of your own body, but never really, I never actually fully made the jump to like, this is actually from a place of modesty and also for me, purity culture that even started creating a lot of these, these issues with my body or how I viewed my body and listening to these podcasts actually like really helped me even be open to having this conversation with you. So thank you so much for sharing. Like it really does make an impact. Uh, and I can speak to that because I'm one of the people who, 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 who has listened. And, and so thank you. I, I really do appreciate it. Wow. I can't believe you listened to some of this. I mean, you know, I just assume nobody's listening. Nobody's, you know, paying attention, but for me, it's part of being brave to share things. <laughs> you know, and, you know, put it out there. Um, oh, thank, wow. Like that, that's very encouraging to me to know that, that you listened. Um, that's awesome. And I just, you know, everyone's going to have a different level of, of what they decide they want in their lives with regards to modesty and, and how they want to dress. You know, I mean, there are women who dress from head to toe because they're Muslim or they're, you know, part of a, a religion or a culture that, that that's important to them. And, and that's what they wear. Um, and in, for the church that I, uh, have been a part of, uh, the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, otherwise known as Mormons, you know, they wear certain clothing, um, that uh, like that underneath, their normal clothing that they wish to cover up, right? And that's why they don't wear tank tops and that's why they don't wear short shorts, right? Um, and that, but that's part of their like devotion to God. It's it's a religious thing, you know? And then, but, and, and uh, there's no, I'm not, I don't want to shame that. And so when people listen, I don't want them to think, oh my gosh, you know, here's another radical feminist who just wants to buck all morals and everything. It's not about that for me just to clarify, if you're wearing it because, you know, certain clothing is, is symbolic to you and your relationship with God, that's beautiful. That's about you. But my biggest hope is that we stop then projecting that onto others and judging others and shaming others because they're choosing to live differently from us. And, and I think that's probably the biggest the, the toughest thing in with regards to modesty is because if you've come to a place of personal conviction where you don't want to show cleavage or you don't want to wear crop tops and let your belly show or whatever it is, you know, you come to a personal conviction. This is how I'm most comfortable. Like I'm not comfortable wearing those kinds of clothes or I'm wearing this because I feel better about myself when I wear t-shirts as opposed to little tank tops, you know, but that's, a, that, that's great. Like everyone needs to find their place of comfort and, and where they're comfortable and where they love their body and where they feel that it's, you know, in line with their values that they hold, but don't put those same values on other people because they're walking another path and maybe God has spoken to them differently. Maybe they're part of a different religion. Maybe they are working on loving their bodies. Maybe they have made immense progress because from, you know, being ashamed of their body and having an eating disorder or experiencing sexual trauma. And they, this is them trying to be okay with loving their bodies and loving the shape of them and embracing their sexuality you don't know the journey that anyone else is on. And so find your path and, and your convictions and your values. Find that for yourself and then let everyone else find that it for themselves too. And just send out love because anything else is 
you know, we're shooting low, lower than, than we should as, you know, as humanity, I think the greatest thing we can aim for is to have love for each other, unconditional love. And, uh, I think, you know, whatever religion you're part of, that's kind of the nucleus. That's kind of the center of it, right? Is love is, is becoming a better person and love is at the center of that. So find your own convictions and values and then let other people do it as well and love them don't label them don't shame them don't judge them support them be happy for them you know I just that that's how I feel and that's how I look at it now and not everyone is going to offer the same back to you and and that's where it gets hard because then it can be easy to turn around and judge and be like well you're just a religious bigot or well you're just a religious prude you know and it can be judged hard to judge right back and I struggle with that okay when I get angry or I'm hurt like I get mad you know but that also isn't love in the other direction and so being able to give love I think sets the greatest example and and that's what I want to achieve is for people to love themselves and love each other and at least in my experience modesty culture is a obstacle in the path to that because of how it's evolved and and what it's become that's why I have kind of stepped over it and and I just kind of leave the the umbrella behind and and leave it up to each individual to decide instead of thinking that one size fits all I think that's such a beautiful sentiment like I I think I love what you said about our greatest calling, the new, like the biggest thing that humanity could do is to love each other and love each other unconditionally. And that is meeting people where they are and not where you think they should be. And I just, I think that that's such a beautiful sentiment to, to kind of leave this podcast or end this podcast on. Um, so thank you so much today for, for coming and joining and having this conversation about modesty. I think this is, I, I've enjoyed so much hearing your perspective um, so thank you for being so open and authentic. It's, it was really was beautiful for me to hear. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for inviting me to talk. It was so out of the blue. Um, <laughs> and, but that it's so encouraging and I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're encouraging these conversations. And the more that we put these conversations out there, the more this is going to happen again, right. With different people and, and hopefully, it turns into something beautiful and helps a lot of people heal and find happiness and peace and love. So thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Cup of Common Grounds. I am your host, Katie Whipple. If you like the podcast, feel free to review or subscribe on any of your favorite podcasting channels. And if you want to learn more about the podcast, feel free to check out its Instagram, Cup of Common Grounds. So signing off today, I hope you all enjoyed your cup of common grounds and feel free to check back next time.